Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Underscore Podcast. Today's episode is the Underscore Podcast 2, Electric Boogaloo. I'm Andrew Gallagher. I'll be your producer for today. My name is Simon. I'm Callum. And I'm Hannah. So how was everybody's Christmas? Uh, Not bad. I mean, as a student who works part-time, I did have to work um, pretty much all around Christmas, which um, sort of puts a bit of a dampener on the day. Not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, I was the same. But my Christmas doesn't change that much. So, like, because it was just the four of us every year. So, like, lockdown and stuff. Not that there was much this year, was there? No. Not really. But, yeah, good Christmas. Yeah, to be honest, I was pretty much the exact same. I worked pretty much every day. And now it's January. Bars are dead. So, all the time in the world. Did anybody get any new toys? I got a Lego set, so I'm really happy. Did you actually? Yeah. Which one? I got, it was a Mandalorian heads one. So it was Baby Yoda and Mandalorian with like massive heads. It was great. So did I. Oh my word. That's class. What a set. Wait, no, no. Wait, we sure it's like one of the buildable Baby Yoda? Like the one that's that height? It's just like we really small one. Mine's like a bigger, like proper size Baby Yoda. I'm jealous. I'm really jealous. Well, uh, my girlfriend got me a Nintendo 64. Oh my word! And um, <laughs> one of Why? one of the greatest first person shooters ever. Goldeneye. 007, Yes. Oh. And then yeah. um, I was able to go into CEX and get um, WCW, NWO Revenge, and WWF No Mercy, the two greatest wrestling games of the era. So um, when I eventually get the time to actually set it up and enjoy it for a couple of days, I'm gonna just sit in my chair for like two days straight and play these games. So why'd you buy you a Nintendo 64? Um, probably to get rid of me for two days, to be honest. And that's romance. <laughs> so what do you all think of January? Is it, it a boring month? Yeah. It's so boring, like... Well, I've got, like, my brother's birthday and my dad's birthday, but other than that, it's so bad. <laughs> it's the most boring first three weeks of the year, until uni restarts. That is great. And it just, just gets worse because It gets you're... worse because better. You're nearing, like, the end of the year. It's, like, after January when you come back, it's, like, oh, this is semester two. This is, like... This is the fun part. ...important time. You're, like, realising that you've only got one semester left of uni and then you have to be ready for the real world. Yeah, it all gets pretty scary from here, doesn't it? Yeah, it's quite scary. Yeah, you can't just, like, hide away and be a student and write essays and cash in your student loan and... Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) This is why they invented masters. (laughs) So, Callum, what's next on our list today? So we thought we'd maybe bring you some of the headlines from since we last were able to do the podcast together. And um, pretty much breaking news last night. It is official. We know for sure. Boris Johnson and his wife attended a party in the Downing Street Garden during the first lockdown. Um, What we know pretty much was it was supposedly a bring-your-own-beer party. And there was around about 40 people in the garden during a time when you're only really supposed to meet one person outside from one other household. Um, what's even crazier is that we know for sure because of a leaked email that was sent inviting people, which included Boris Johnson, um, that email was sent to about 100 people. Now, I know the Conservatives like to keep it within the families, but if that 100 people is from one household, I'm very concerned about how our government's being run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw 
like a video as well and it's him in a press conference and a like a woman from the public is like if I see someone in the park with more than like one person I know they're not in a family what should I do and he's like oh yeah definitely report them and apparently it was like two days after the when they think the party was oh my word what a mom yeah you put the conservative you deserve all this fair like I mean, whoever thought Boris Johnson was going to be the right man to lead this country? I mean, he did He did sway me the time he was playing rugby and he ran over the child. <laughs> like, I was I was ready for it then, but in the years since... He's you ever seen the video of him trying to play football? Oh, my word, yes, and he, like, slide tackles? I think it's more of a rugby tackle. Aye, aye, it is, to be fair, like... It's only ten seconds long, that's how long he was on the pitch. Then he was sent off, I think. In a charity game as well, my name is that. Boris Johnson, rugby tackles for charity. So, um, I mean, it's pretty safe to say, I think, that we're all pretty shocked and disgusted that this has come out. Well, maybe, maybe sh- not. Well, disgusted is yeah, a strong word. Like, but, I um, saw it coming. Yeah. Everyone saw it coming. Well, um, I think the public seems like they would mostly agree with us because there's a number of uh, Twitter trends starting around this. Um, hashtag Johnson out. Hashtag Johnson lied, people died. Hashtag Johnson must resign and hashtag Johnson the corrupt PM. I just want to point out that Johnson is a slang for a male member. Uh, condom. <laughs> so Johnson out might not be the best hashtag to go for. I always forget Stanley Johnson's his dad. I literally like him. He was a strange choice for a celebrity, wasn't he? Oh, but I love him and Toph. Can, can Both we get, Tories. Can we get Boris Johnson on I'm a Celebrity though? In 25 years, they will have him. Only if we can leave him in the jungle, like. <laughs> it would do us all over all the good, like. I want to see a proper campmate punch-up between him and some somebody proper left-wing. Or just somebody intelligent. Jeremy Corbyn versus Boris Johnson going eight rounds, like. I would pay to see that. Well, to be honest, I mean, clearly democracy doesn't work, so maybe that's the future. It might be, you know. It might be. If they can win a fight, they can lead us to war. Well, um... Boris Johnson wasn't the only thing trending on Twitter this morning. Um, have any of you guys played hashtag Wordle? No. Neither have I. Um, I just have noticed people keep posting these weird cube things on Twitter with their score, which is like something out of six. Um, apparently it's a game and you get like a daily thing to guess a word. And for whatever reason, it's taking over the UK right now. Six is a very weird scale to work off. I'm just going to point that one out. I think is it's it? a six six guesses you get or something. Oh. Okay. Um, Wait, so is it a word game? Yeah. So if I so do you have to guess a word? Like if I said to you cat, is it like what's the first word that comes to your head? I don't know. You get you get a word and like you have to guess it. Um and yeah, I I don't really understand from what people are sharing on Twitter what this game is or how it works. If anything, I'm confused and scared. It feels like another Candy Crush takeover type thing. Yeah, oh, it could be the new Candy Crush. <laughs> is Candy Crush still about? Yes. My mom still plays it, trust me. It's still I've about. never played it. Oh, Every, got... Everyone's mom still plays it. I got it in the last like lockdown. And honestly, I got to like level 100. And it, it should have taken me longer. This is your first step to becoming a matter like. It really is. I've deleted it now, I had to, but... Well, um, another lovely trend this morning. Um, today is hashtag Thick Trunk Tuesday. Um, 
would any of you like to guess what what this is, Simon? Yeah. Is it all the people's swimming trunks? Um, unfortunately not. Is it the thickness of a trunk of a tree? Yes, it is people sharing very thick tree trunks. <laughs> Sorry. I'm disappointed. Um, the hashtag is Thick Trunk Tuesday, but it's thick T H I C K. I want to see T H I C C trees. Yeah, it needs to be thick. <laughs> then trees are dummy thick, boy. <laughs> Somebody explain T H I C C to me. Um, um, I think that will get our podcast taken down. Yeah, that's that's for you to look at tonight when you're home alone, Simon. Uh, what, web, uh, what website do I look up that won't give me a virus? Because I feel like this is... Just Google it. On I what would, website? Um, I would download a VPN first. <laughs> With our sponsor, NordVPN. I'm kidding, they're not sponsors, but they are brave. We're sponsor not that popular. Me. Yet. Please sponsor us, NordVPN. That's well, all I um, ask for. Are you guys ready for the last trending hashtag today? It's um, a bit of a topical headline. Um, hashtag boycott Ikea. Have you guys heard about Ikea? No. Oh, yes. So um, Ikea is planning to cut pay for unvaccinated staff have to isolate. <laughs> and because, that's legal? Well, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I feel like that's going to be illegal. They have, must have found some sort of loophole because I can't imagine Ikea doing something illegal and like blatantly obviously doing it i mean then again a lot of big corporations avoided plenty of tax over the years allegedly i don't know some of it's been proven but um unsurprisingly um the anti-vaxxers or unvaccinated people in general have quite publicly come out against it because as we know no one has ever been as marginalized and discriminated against as the unvaccinated people (laughs) So clearly we all need to get behind this and support them through their time of need. Do people genuinely shop at Ikea for fun? Yes. yes. Great. Really? I yes. live like five minutes away from Ikea and it's the most life-changing thing in the world. Like, it's, it's so furniture. Yeah. It's... Great hot dogs and meatballs. Oh, the meatballs. Uh, last time I was in Ikea, my mum got me like the kilogram bags. You know the way they've got the frozen section now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she brought them home and was like, look what I got you. I was like, yes. So jealous. But who goes to a furniture shop to buy food? It's it's because it's like Swedish meatballs. It's like Swedish food, so it is. Um it's because it's I don't know. They just right. it's like a food court nearly in it. Yeah, pretty so. much. Yeah. Swedish food like in the Muppets or No? Swedish chef. Was he actually Swedish? <laughs> I don't know, Simon, does that sound like Swedish to you? I can't say um, I'm a master that, of languages, but... That just sounds more gobbledygook. Up next on the headlines, we've got a bit of a spicy one. I think it's been very topical. A lot of people have been a bit fired up about it. Um, I'm sure most of you have at least heard about what's happening with Molly May. Um, we have the clip here for anyone that hasn't heard the interview that has gotten her into a bit of a bother, shall we say that we do and I just think like you, you're given one life and it's down to you what you do with it like you can literally go in any direction and when I've spoken about that before in the past I have been slammed a little bit with people saying you know like it's easy for you to say that you know you've grown up and you've not grown up in poverty you've not grown up you know with major money struggles so for you to sit there and say that we will have the t- same 24 hours in a day is not correct and I'm like 
but technically what I'm saying is correct. We, we do. So I understand that obviously we all have different backgrounds and we're all raised in different ways and we do have different financial situations. But I think if you want something enough, you can achieve it. And it just depends to what lengths you want to go to get where you want to be in the future. And I I'll go to any lengths. Like I, I've worked my absolute arse off to get where I am now. Yeah, so um, for those of you who maybe don't know, Molly May is, uh, I guess she's an influencer now, but she pretty much got her big break on Love Island. She partnered with Tommy Fury, brother of Tyson Fury. They were very well liked, very successful in the aftermath. She's probably been the biggest post-Love Island success. Um, this interview was in response to criticism um, about her new role with Pretty Little Thing, where she's paid uh, quite an extortionate amount of money to be a creative director for them. Um, people sort of suggesting that she hasn't earned that and this money should be going instead to pay their workers more who are considered to be underpaid. Um, but this idea of everyone having the same 24 hours, what do you guys make of that? That's pretty controversial. I mean, I can kind of understand... It's incredibly flawed logic, but I can understand that yeah. people do get breaks in life and could use them. But, like, uh, how do I put this in a way that isn't going to get me sued? <laughs> but people of her sort of social class do get better breaks than people of lower social classes. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, we... We all have 24 hours, but I think you're lying to yourself if you say it's the same 24 hours. 100%. You know, there's definitely people that in that 24 hours, they maybe are lucky if they have half an hour, an hour that is actually their time to do something. Yeah, I 100%. think especially right now, if like when there's been so much in the news about like nurses and ICU people and who work in hospitals and everything, they're spending like 12 hours of their day looking after other people and no offense to her but like i understand like for those brands they have to have creative directors and everything but to go around and say that you can yes you might work very very hard and i'm sure she does every day and i'm sure it was quite a role to take on and quite a break to have all that publicity so quickly but i don't think it's the same for everyone yeah quite literally like you know 24 hours let's say you work in hospitality. 12 hours, that's probably spent working, to be honest with you, most of the week. Trying at to make night as me. well. Yeah, exactly, at night and everything. And then, say you've got kids, looking after your kids. You don't have the same 24 hours. Like, you are trying to make ends meet to, like, pay the bills and to look after your family. Like, it is not in any way comparable. Like, yeah, you know, people, you know, if you want to dream, you know, go for it, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but, like, you're having to kick yourself in. Like, you're beating yourself down, trying to make ends meet, because you weren't given the same starts in life. And ultimately, it's just not a fair comment to make. It's pretty pretty gross, if you ask me. Yeah, I also saw, like, some people saying, like, bringing up the whole Caroline Flack thing about, you know, treating everyone nicely and everything. I do think that she deserves maybe some sort she of hasn't exactly criticism. treated people nicely either. No. Like, no, and she's basically just called poor people lazy and especially when the company she's worked for has a, like claims of underpay and everything it's like maybe you should be speaking out on people's behalfs and using your influence maybe positively she should be um doing a jake paul did you guys see his interactions with dana white no yes he, um, i've seen this he 
essentially on Twitter said to Dana White, um, called him out. Dana White doesn't think he's man enough, essentially, to take a fight in the octagon. He said he would go into the octagon, retire from boxing, fight Jorge Masvidal, one of the best UFC fighters around, probably still. Um, someone you would expect to murder Jake Paul in about two seconds. But he would do it. But his demands were that um, Dana White had to change the minimum fighter pay from 12 grand to 50 grand, which seems like a lot. Like 12 grand to most people seems like a lot. But um, I know a lot of fighters end up spending anywhere from like 5 to 10 grand to prepare for a fight. And that takes months. So when you're only maybe making grand or two off that which is probably money you've lost from not being able to work as much during that time you're not actually making anything so definitely need to do that and then he also uh, said he needed to change his concussion protocol um, because Dana White in the past has originally said that concussions are just a part of the gig um, which is quite horrific given what we know about CTE and you also want them to guarantee that the earnings that would go to fighters in terms of paying them would increase to 50% of the UFC's overall earnings. So I think that's an example of someone using their position to try and do good. Unfortunately, it looks like Dana White isn't interested, but... No, at least he's kind of got those points out there, so they're going to, even if it comes in often, become a talking point. You know yeah, what I mean? definitely. Like... Well, um, in other perhaps controversial sporting news... um. Novak Djokovic is having a bit of an interesting time down in Australia. Um, he is allegedly unvaccinated. Um, he refuses to disclose his vaccination status, but given he has previously been outspoken against vaccinations, there is the assumption that he's not vaccinated. Um, he wasn't going to be allowed to play in Australia, in the Australian Open. They tried to keep him in quarantine in the hotel, and then it looks like now he is going to play. It went to court. They've backtracked. But um, what do you guys make of his treatment there? Like, is that Gentlemen, fair? Gentlemen, this is democracy manifest. <laughs> I mean, is it is it democracy manifest? Like, is this okay for a sports star to be treated like that? Or does he need to realize that either he gets the jab or he doesn't play? I think so, because when you look at other like vaccination vaccinations and go and say like surfers have to go to Bali to complete compete in different things, they have to have the vaccinations to be able to go in, and if they didn't, they wouldn't be allowed in. So why is this vaccination any different? It sort of Do does beg I mean? the question yeah. of you know when you get as big and as powerful as someone as Djokovic does. Are you held to the same standards that other people are? That's the question that needs to be asked. What's the current travel rules around Australia? Um, you have to be vaccinated, and I think you definitely have to have like the negative test and all. So you um, have to be vaccinated? Yeah. Uh, his, his current claim, though, is that he should be exempt because he claims to have tested positive um, in a certain date, which would make him still um, immune. You know, you get the period of immunity after having tested positive, um, well, having had the virus. Um, the strange thing is, though, there is pictures of him at some sort of children's tennis event on allegedly the day he says he tested positive. <laughs> ah, so, gosh. Um, again, that's being disputed and is just 
further con confused everything, I think. Made it a bit more... It's a messy situation, to say the least. Yeah, like, um, you can understand Australia. They need to protect their country, and they can't just let sports stars wander in that haven't been vaccinated and could bring in new variants or anything when, you know, they've already had some struggles but seem to be getting it somewhat under control again. Yeah, like, they've had such yeah. tight lockdowns. You're kind of sort of erasing that for one person. Yeah. Like... Do you want to back the Australian government on this? Uh, yeah, I mean, for once, I think I actually back Scott Morrison's uh, stance. I don't think I would have ever said that about him. Um, That's a pretty rare statement, to be honest. Yeah, probably a rare statement from anyone that doesn't find themselves on the conservative um, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I back the decision from them, I think, to uh, not allow him to play. Um, I think it's quite unfortunate that he has been allowed to. Obviously, if he can prove that he definitely did test positive and is in a stage of immunity, sure, but like long-term, that's not really a solution because he can't just give himself COVID a few months before every major tournament. So um, in some entertainment news, a bit of a headline, I guess, uh, we did have the Golden Globes ceremony. Um, there was a nice tribute to Bob Saget that sadly passed away there. Um, for those that maybe aren't aware, he did stand-up. He was also the star of Full House. And what I didn't realise, he was the narrator for How I Met Your Mother. Oh, I never oh. knew that. Yeah. I've, oh. I've watched like every episode of that show and not realised he was the narrator. That What's that about? Insane. I've never seen it. <laughs> um, uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. It's kind of meant to be this guy telling his kids how I met your mother. But it's like, basically it. Oh. But it's him in New York with like his group of friends and it's them sort of... But, um, how long is it? Just a, just a spoiler for anyone that plans on watching it. Um, Ultimately in the series finale it turns out it was all just a build up to convince his kids that he was in love with this girl Robin that was his friend and girlfriend at points. And that he wants to go and get her back because the mother at this point is dead. Mom's out here trying to convince I, It was kids. one of the worst endings. Yeah. <laughs> I sat there afterwards like... So they made a TV show all about how he wanted to romance his best friend? Um, well, one of his best friends. They had dated for like large chunks of the show and then they'd split up and like kind of got back and then... Um, and she yeah. married one of their other friends. Yeah. But uh, that didn't work out because he had a kid he didn't know about and he decided to go parent the kid instead. Very, very um, convoluted. And... It's pretty weird. Like Also, the son was Justin from uh, Wizards of Waverly Place as well, which was pretty mad. Oh my god. I'm actually, I'm picturing him and I can't believe I didn't realise that watching it. Yeah. What a show as well, man. I was in Waverly Place was elite back in the day. Got, got Selena Gomez going on her way there. Who? We're just, uh, we're going to skip over that, Simon, and continue with the Golden Globes. <laughs> and on today's um, edition of people Simon have never heard of. Well, uh, at the Golden Globes, um, two films in particular seem to dominate, and it's always seen as a sort of forerunner for the Oscars, who you'll expect to get a lot of the awards. Um, West Side Story and Power of the Dog, um, they're supposedly the ones to look out for. I think they took home a lot of the awards. 
Um, we also saw the um, Will Smith got Best Actor for his role in King Richard. Um, that's the one where he's the father of the Venus sisters, that play, or Williams sisters, sorry, Venus and Serena, that um, were both very successful in tennis, particularly Serena. Um, but quite interesting, I guess, from a local perspective, uh, Kenneth Branagh got Best Screenplay for his film Belfast, which is about a Belfast working-class family in the 60s. Oh, Aww. I didn't hear about That's cool. Yeah, um, a nice sort of Northern Ireland-based film doing well. Um, I would assume there's probably mostly Northern Irish actors in it. There's a really young, like, up-and-coming actor. I can't remember his name from Belfast, and he's in it, and yeah, it's like his big break. I, I don't think you can really do a film in Belfast and not have Belfast actors. Then because... again, have you seen literally nearly every film based in Belfast? Do you know the 1972 or 72 or something's called? It's all about the British Army in Belfast. The no, majority of the actors there really? were not from Northern Ireland. See, because you can always tell the accent is fake because they just can't do it right. Very rarely can an actor actually pull it off. Yeah. There's so definitely. much difference in our accents as well, like. Yeah. 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 Even in Belfast itself. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like, I'm from East Belfast, and the difference from someone from, like, West or North or anything is very different. Yeah. Even the difference in between me and other people from East. Then you come out to around where I live, and it's all your Balamina accent, and it's just a whole, whole different breed. Whole different breed. <laughs> <family. laughs> it's a whole Balamina accent, and then there's whatever you've got. Well, um, yeah, but mine, mine's from living in two different countries with different family and just getting entirely confused about how I should be speaking. Do I have a Balmain accent? No. No. <laughs> to be fair, you do sound pretty English, I'm not going to lie. I think that's fair. Yeah. Would you say I have a culture accent? No, What's a culture? Really, to be honest. <laughs> we already did this. we did this in the last podcast, Simon. I'm sorry to all our culture viewers out there that are offended, but it's true. But um, are you guys ready for? I've got one last headline here. I thought this one. Um, I'm not ready. A little bit, a little bit strange, a little bit different. Um, so this is via Sky News. I found this. Um, there was a fugitive of the Sicilian mafia. He had been on the run for nearly twenty years. He had been, you know, some of his crimes had caught up to him. Um, he was captured. But uh, do you want to know how they captured him? Any, oh, can I guess? Can I guess? Any guesses? Big bear trap. <laughs> no, that would that would have been interesting. But no, <laughs> any other guesses? Like um, how you would shot him with the crossbow? I'm gonna go like he's on been on the run for twenty years. Maybe he's a bit more mature. I'll say. Was it something like silly to do with like a phone or something? Did he hand himself in? Well, it was um he was doing something quite innocuous. He was chatting to someone outside of a fruit shop in uh, Spain. Um, it was a small town near Madrid. He was just chatting to someone, and um someone was having a wee look on Google Street View, <laughs> and um they saw this man that resembled a twenty-year Sicilian mafia fugitive. <laughs> They uh, reported to the police, who had suspected he was in Spain but couldn't find him, and they correctly identified him. They uh, were able to then track him down. Oh my gosh. And uh, now he's 
Uh, he's facing a very long prison sentence, although to be fair, he's already 61. So, you know, he was 41 at the time, had lived a, probably a life of crime in the mafia. He got Allegedly. to 61. And, um, you know, now he's probably going to spend the rest of his life in prison, but he's pretty much had a life out of prison. So he's done well. 20 yeah, years is a good way. 20 years, on the, 20 years on the run, that's pretty good. Actually, on the topic of on the run, there was a article went up. PSNI posted a list of people that are still on the run from prison. And I'm pretty sure the furthest back goes to 2002. Skipped bail or something like that. And they're still looking. Thank you, PSNI. Did they um, try in between sofa cushions? That's usually where I find <laughs> things I lost. Unfortunately, they only found one pound and thirty-seven p and a couple of buttons and half a Twix. But drinking after drinking after eighteen years, there's Daisy just forgets he's on the run. Uh, probably like at that point. Or what if he literally is just like he doesn't have a life? That guy, he's just like in a shack in the middle of nowhere, up in like Donegal or something. Just panicking in case the people just like the shotgun shaking, <laughs> pointing at the door. Literally, like, or he's died and just nobody's known because he's on the run. Ah, you know what, fair. Could be. Was there a name with it? Because if we could find him, could we invite him for an interview? Shall we find? <laughs> we promise we are not related to the PSNI in any way. Please come on. Let's see. You can phone in, and we promise we won't track it. <laughs> Definitely, like. Pinky promise. Pinky promise. People actually do pinky promises. Yeah. Yes. My girlfriend makes me do them all the time. Hi, oh, my girlfriend, my boyfriend. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's the only way I can convince her that when I promise I'll do something that I'll actually do it. Have you broken any? Um, I mean, properly, to be honest. <laughs> well, my boyfriend makes me pinky promise him. It's like, he'll be like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. And he's like, do you pinky? And I'm like... No. <laughs> I think social norms are just lost on me. I think a lot of things are lost on you, Simon. <laughs> there we go, we'll find it. The people who remain unlawfully at large in Northern Ireland. So, uh, What if one of them listens to this podcast? Can well, we, uh, Can we just have a wee listen then? Like, some of their names, their crimes, how long they've been? This yep. is too I'm very turn. interested. This Sounds is, good. So this is now a true crime podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. So on today we have Patrick McCarthy. Patrick McCarthy has been unlawfully at large since uh, August 2020. He was 40 at the time. Escaped from uh, HMP McGilligan. Burglary, going equipped for burglary. Attempted burglary, theft, going equipped for theft, attempted theft, assault, possession of an offensive weapon, assault, criminal damage, and dangerous driving. Description, 5 foot 6 inches, uh, eye colour blue, and hair colour dark brown. Do any photos attached? There is actually, yeah. Oh my gosh. Is he, uh, is he like, you know, is he handsome, or...? Oh. Do you know I mean... Now he's not the point to start insulting criminals. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I could see him on EastEnders. Yeah. Yeah. Fair he does. He's he, gonna be he's like... Someone's lost brother or something. <laughs> Moving on to our next person, we've got Thomas O'Brien, unlawfully at large since uh, July 2012. He was 33 at the time, also escaped from McGilligan. Seems to be a uh, trend, McGilligan, step it up. Uh, <laughs> causing death by dangerous driving. 5'4", blue eyes, dirty fair hair. 
And then we've got... Don't insult the man now, come on. <laughs> Do you know what? He might run me over, so probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He'll be going back inside. Uh, Frank Shanley has been unlawfully at large since May 2006. 30. And he escaped from a gallery. Um, he... That man's almost 50. That's mad. Um, he's like almost 50 now. And he escaped when he was 30. He was in for theft... Five foot ten, blue and fair hair. And then we've got Brendan McGuinness, unlawfully at large since May 2002. And he was 19 at the time. Uh, he escaped from Hyde Bank on drug offences and he was five foot ten. That is mad. That man has been on the run for nearly 20 years. Uh, I call her brown and that's basically it to be I honest. guess so, um... He could literally be like just across the border and like hops over to see people and then gets back and PS and I don't have a clue. There you go, that's your lead, PS and I. Um you can uh send me the reward money. And that was Callum's missing person appeal for anyone who's been arrested recently and decided to abandon their arrest. Please hand yourself into the nearest police station. Anyway, moving on. Um as I'm sure a lot of you guys know. Uh, angry people in local newspapers is a pretty big Facebook page and Twitter page and Twitter page sorry as well um, I've got their Facebook up here uh, they've got 384,937 likes at this current time do you like the page Andrew? I do like the page don't worry Anne as I can see Simon Bennett also likes the page does anybody else from our class like it? Uh, not that I can see in the way like blur of faces but I've got 24 of my friends that like it so um, first one up let's see we're just gonna so what's a rating scale so um, what, 1 to 10 1 being Bob Ross 10 being the Incredible Hulk and what's a, what's a midpoint um, like Bruce Banner but he's looking a little green <laughs> <laughs> so we've got first story here this is the first one I came to Man forced to return three hundred pound coat after wearing it made him a laughing stock. So I'm gonna go into the story and just have a quick blur through, really call out little bits and bobs. Hang on, did he take his label off? Because Do you know what? I assume he had to keep the label on. I don't know, he must have. Apparently he was being mistaken for a pre-mark employee. A student splashed out in the North Face coat, only for people uh, to mistake him for a pre-mark worker, leaving him so embarrassed he returned it. Um, three weeks after it and he felt like a laughing stock around campus uh, let's see yeah who tells that to a newspaper the video which has received more than 2 million views shows Connor wearing his coat on Clifton suspension bridge in Bristol as the caption reads you think you can hurt me I spent £300 on a coat just looking like a pre-mark employee but see like that happens to people all the time because most like most uh, uniforms for like shops and stuff it'll just be like a coloured top with the logo on it it's like small somewhere oh yeah they're not like big blatant like I work here ask me like you know usually it's stuff that if you were wearing the same colour in the shop you could probably be mistaken but um Primark what I want to know about this story is who is he mad at yeah apparently who who has made a mistake here he bought the jacket People mistook him for a Primark employee because it must look like a Primark jacket. Who pays £300 for a jacket? Who pays £300 for a television? What? 
What? what? <laughs> I thought you said the jacket cost 300 pounds. Yeah. 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 Who pays 300 pounds for a jacket? People that want expensive clothes. I don't know. So, do you know um, what, yeah. what, what do we give a man a 10? How angry do we think this is? Because it's his own fault. So, I'm going to slap him right in the middle with a. I'm going to say five. just a slightly blow off. I'm going to give it a four. I would, I would, to be honest, go like a three, mildly annoyed. Like, I'd be a, I would be a little annoyed, but I would just return the jacket and be like, all right, whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to think five. Yeah, five seems like a good one. The next one I have here is injured Ryanair passenger forced to hop down plane steps. <laughs> uh, the photo on the cover is him sitting there looking pretty pissed off um, with his crutches beside him. This one went on to Birmingham Live. So what what happened there? Like, how was he injured? And Did like... he get injured on the flight? So the retired NHS worker from Stafford claimed he was forced to stand on one leg. Man's doing his flamingo impersonation. An injured Ryanair passenger was left fuming after hopping down a flight of stairs at Birmingham Airport despite asking for help on his travels. They once again mentioned he's a retired NHS worker. Dr. Neil Malik from Stafford claimed he was also forced to stand on one leg as he boarded a bus to the terminal. I mean, to be fair, that's what crutches do. Um, the former biomedical engineer had asked for a wheelchair at both ends of his flight after suffering an injury on holiday. The airline said the request was made the same day in his flight when 48 hours notice was needed. The 56-year-old claims while staff at the Canary Island helped them, those in Birmingham did not. Uh, getting off the plane, nobody was available to assist him. The traveller then was forced to hop down the stairs in the plane as there was no air bridge between the plane and the terminal. Uh, he then had to stand on one foot during the bus journey. Um, no one existed at BHX except the young lad at Border Control who got me through quickly. Uh, let's see. Hopping down the stairs is likely to have not as helped as it was later confirmed I have ruptured Achilles. Um, since the ordeal, he's supposed to be flying over Birmingham next again, has been tweeting both the airline and the airport asking for answers. He's now apprehensive to fly from the airport if he still requires help. One tweet he wrote, pretty crap last week, I must say. No help for me walking down the plane steps and then standing on a bus ask after asking for assistance. I wonder if that's what ruptured my Achilles. I'm, I'm not going to lie, to be honest, it could be the thing that put you in a cast. My ruptured Achilles. In another, he added, six days now with no answers. Not sure Birmingham Airport is the place to fly from if you're disabled. Never mind if you're brave enough to rough it with Ryanair. To be fair, you bought a ticket for Ryanair, you get what you pay for. Um, let's That's both podcast might be for reference Ryanair and taking piss at him. Oh dear. I fly with Ryanair soon, so I really hope they don't like take me off my flight. <laughs> You might appear in one of their infamous TikTok videos. Oh, yeah. You could be a TikTok star, Andrew. Oh, no. I don't really want any evidence that I'm going on a Ryanair flight, honestly. like. To be honest, I'm well, surprised. Admit, you've just admitted it on the podcast. I don't twice. Know. Yellow um, seats don't really bring out my eyes, you know? I'm surprised there isn't a TikTok of him hopping down the stairs <laughs> to emotional music. Might have just been a boomerang off it, you know? <laughs> Down the stairs, up the stairs, down the stairs, up the stairs. I'm thinking all the people coming off the flight, surely one of them has to record this. Oh, there's bound to be. Like, it's currently, like, it's 2022. Like, someone has to have. Like, why didn't someone on the flight give him a hand? Yeah, literally, like... Yeah. like I think it's fair enough. I think 48's notice is a long time. What happens if you hurt yourself, like, the night before or something? Yeah. Probably can't fly home. Yeah, but, like... You could swim. <laughs> Um, let's see. We're going for a slight interlude here with uh, the Malibu oh, uh, Gazette. How many how uh, how many hooks or whatever we given that last one? Um. Oh, that's a tough one because like 
I can kind of see both sides of that. So I'll probably just go down the middle and give him a five. Like I'm going to go for a six. I was going to go for a seven. I was going to go seven. Because I think it's... Where I feel like you're not leaving a lot of room here, though. Like, you know, guy has to hop down flight compared to someone comes in and kills your mother. Like, you know, a, a seven to a ten. <laughs> comparing those, like... So I'll, go, I'll, go nice, I'll go a nice five, I think. Keep it, keeping it low so that when something really bad happens. Now we're going to go in for quick fire round. Elvis Presley's teeth fills up Malvern. It's not an angry thing. I just really wanted to point that out. And then we've got residents turn out and fight to stop Stoke-on-Trent takeaway. And it's literally a massive group of people outside this takeaway. That Just is stop. What's wrong with the takeaway? That's what I'm trying to find out. That is the most Stoke-on-Trent thing I've <laughs> ever heard. This is also coming from Stoke-on-Trent. takeaways. Let's see. The Blurton Laundrette. Um, has been closed on Nash Drive for years now the takeaway plan has been submitted to Stoke-on-Trent City Council the takeaway wants to sell fresh salads fresh breads pasties baguettes grilled food and fried dishes it wants to open from midday to 11.30 Sunday to Thursday morning and midnight on Fridays and Saturdays it states the site sits in a parade of other retail outlets yada 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 the unit forms part of the Nash Drive local neighbourhood centre of Blurton and there's a shared car parking facility uh, let's see it's meant to be a healthier food choice Residents fear the takeaway will attract noise, smells, parking issues, rats, and antisocial behaviour. That is the most Tory thing. Okay, I've ever I can heard. understand the other four, but rats? Really? I mean, no. Um, In the 20, 21st century? I don't well, want, I don't want to slander an entire city, but this is Stoke on Trent we're talking about Literally. already. Like. No surprises here. Conservative Ward Councillor Lorraine Bedmore is supporting the residents. It's the times of day it would be open. There's a place for takeaways, and I use them with my family, but this is a residential area, not the place for it. The majority of people here are above retirement age. The last thing they want is cars coming and going, and they don't know who they are. It could attract antisocial behaviour and litter. It's literally a closed-off laundrette. Like, you need yeah. something there, like... Um, I, I want to know, if, if you're afraid of cars coming and going and you don't know who they are, how, how do you live in a city? Literally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, this would be different if it was like a tiny wee village in the middle of nowhere. There's old wee residents and stuff, but no, it's a city. That is madness. And then I'm going for a four for that. Yeah, I'm actually gonna go for a solid eight. Oh, because it's a massive group of people trying to take down a healthy takeaway. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. That would um, if I lived in Stoke. Um, which I'm glad I don't, but <laughs> if I lived in Stoke, I would be very angry if people were trying to stop new food places coming in because I love visiting a new food place. Oh, literally, it's, it's like the Christmas most exciting day. thing. Especially, like, a healthy one. Like, I assume the antisocial behaviour is drunk people at night, but I don't think any drunk person has ever craved healthy food or salads. They're also sure they're closing going... at half eleven at night as well. Like it's yeah. not like it's gonna be open when clubs are thrown out. Like yeah, sure. Yeah, man. Like oh, before we hit home, you want to get a wee salad? <laughs> Never heard that. Like. <laughs> sure. Um, we also have a resident buys a Range Rover to stop rogue parking outside his house, and I'm gonna point this out. Basically, they said people are coming along, parking, and then going on their holidays and all this sort of stuff. And he was complaining about cars and things like that. Uh, parking in front of his house and blocking the natural light in so his um, exact response was to buy a massive Range Rover as you do 
and just park it outside his house. But that's going to stop the natural light coming in. But I guess it's okay if he stops the natural light coming in. You know, yeah. it's onto the Range Rover driver. Literally. Why was he, he... They act like he was forced to buy this Range Rover. <laughs> it had to be a Range Rover. Like. Not only that, I assume he sold... I assume he had a car previously and he sold it and he's not just permanently leaving the Range Rover at the front of his house. So whenever he leaves the house... Surely somebody's just going to park there anyway. I reckon he's just bought the Range Rover and he's just leaving it there. He has a normal car that he drives around and the Range Rover just sits there. I reckon he's just bought a Range Rover and told the newspapers just so he can show it off that he's rich. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, Man's like the only man on this street that has it. So, uh, what are we going to rate this, man? Seven. I'm going seven for that. Um, I'm going an absolute eight because he's just literally gone and bought a Range Rover for I, no reason. If, if it was me in the situation, like that would be like a two. I wouldn't really be that bothered. But I feel like he's at a ten. I feel like he's freaking out. Like he has went and bought a Range Rover to solve his problems. <laughs> that is the most rich person solution ever. I've got an issue. What am I going to do? Buy a Range Rover. I'm thinking next time we do a rating for anger and a rating for pure stupidity. Literally. <laughs> um, this is our final one. And it's coming from a day ago. Michael Gove misses interview slot after getting stuck in BBC Lyft. So Michael Gove was meant to appear on BBC Radio 4, but instead the BBC Lyft stopped working and he was trapped in there for half an hour. And all I want to say is imagine getting stuck in a lift with Michael Gove for half an hour. You would hate your life. And this is why we still pay our TV licence. I mean, I think I think I would take my chances climbing down the lift shaft. <laughs> Literally, like... There's nothing worse than what, actually having to share the What I want to know is, obviously, they missed out on this interview slot. Why didn't they bring the cameras and live breaking news? Here's Michael Gove in a lift. <laughs> Shove the camera in his face. Just drop a wee mic down the lift shaft. So, Michael, how's the lift? One million viewers and we'll cut the rope. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy a lot of laptops. <laughs> I want to question who put this in the newspaper. This is in BBC News. BBC News have published that their lift broke down. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and it's under... What's the equivalent of putting on Twitter that my car broke down? That's it's the thing. filed under it. politics, and then sub-filed under parliament, and then, weirdly enough, sub-filed under Brexit. <laughs> Brexit what? is the reason the lift broke down, guys. See, what it is, is they're actually just trying to make sure everyone starts paying their TV licence so they can fix their lift. What they don't realise is we're going to stop paying our TV licence has probably helped our country significantly. <laughs> That's half an hour that man hasn't been allowed near democracy, which is great. What do you reckon? If, you're, if you were in a lift that broke down on your own, what would you do? Apart from, like, hit a call help button, what would you do? Call my phone. But you get no signal. Do you get a signal on a lift? I would pull no, up my like, phone and play the games. Yeah, I've got offline games, I'm sweet. Yeah. yeah. I'd probably freak out a bit. I don't like lifts as it is. I don't trust them. Never uh, have. I take the stairs. <laughs> I would also definitely go full die hard and like rip the doors <laughs> open and go crawling through the building and <laughs> Mom's just crawling through BBC <laughs> like <laughs> Is um is Michael Gove still crawling through BBC or? <laughs> um we're yet to find out any word on that. Well, if uh, if the country starts getting better, then we know that he is still crawling through BBC. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, think we might delete a few parts of that. Absolutely not. That's getting good. <laughs> um, I've got another wee one for us as well. 
It's a random story generator that we're going to fill in as a team. Ooh. So, our title, it can be named after the protagonist, after the secondary character, after an object from the story, after the weather, after the place it all happened, or we can just say random. Can we make it object. after the main character, Michael Gove? <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so the protagonist is Michael Gove. Um, so name of the protagonist, opening, set the scene, launch in the action, or focus on a relationship, launch in the action. I want to focus in on his relationships. <laughs> I'm really interested. What's, what's Michael Gove doing? Sweet. So focus in on his relationships. And the conflict is going to be either emotional, violent, or financial. Violent. Violent. Yeah, well, we keep him as far away from the financial <laughs> stuff. <as we> can. <laughs> and the resolution can either be happy, sad, or also violent. Ooh, I like violent. I think violent. Violent. Are we, are we all agreeing for violence? Yep, let's go. So our protagonist is going to be Michael... If we know anything about Tory relationships, this should be a real ride. Go. <laughs> um, let's see. I don't know if you meant that the way I think you meant it. Let's see. His se- well, who's the secondary character going to be? It can be male or female. Are we going to make it like political, or can we just make it anybody? I don't mind. Um, should we go with Die Hard? I was honestly just thinking of secondary. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know where that goes. <laughs> If this gets deleted, this is all being Patreon content in the future. Let's do John McClane, that'll be. John McClane? Yeah. We're getting him out of this left one way or another. (laughs) How do you spell John McClane? M C C L A N E. Something like that. A N E. M small C, big C. I don't think there's an E at the end, I think it just says N. But that'll be McClane. Do you know what? We're sticking with E. This is a podcast, nobody can see what I'm writing. You um, just told them. Ah, well. Um, what does the second character want from the protagonist? E.g. closure, revenge, or a hug. We can literally put anything. <laughs> what does the second character want from Mike? What does John McLean want from Michael Gove, aside from the lift? Um, to, to save Brexit. <laughs> Sweet. We don't know which way he's saving Brexit from, but we're going to go for it. Uh, how does the second character feel about the protagonist positively or negatively something the protagonist would like to say to the second character uh, who are you Brexit means Brexit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the name of the place where it all happens BBC Live <laughs> <laughs> how does the protagonist feel about the place positive or negative how does Michael Go feel about BBC's Lift? BBC's Lift or the BBC in general? The Lift, specifically. Uh, probably negatively. Surely. I mean, he's probably a bit neutral. Before, I mean, before he gets stuck on the Lift, he's probably a bit neutral too. Let's go negatively. Um, Most Tories were during Brexit, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, a feature of the place. So, like, trees, houses, rivers. I'm going to go with buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Two adjectives that could be used to describe that place. Small bland. And bland. Bland and claustrophobic. Oh. Can you spell claustrophobic? Yeah, I actually can. Can you actually? Because I can't. I'm pretty claustrophobic. Um, actually. <laughs> and four emotion adjectives, e.g. happy, sad, grumpy. Just in general. Enraged. Enraged. Next one. How many do we want? Four. Traumatised. Would um would you describe describe patriotic? 
as an emotion. <laughs> Absolutely going in. <laughs> Patriotic. Ah, uh, one more. Give us one, Hannah. Oh gosh, um, sad. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Very creative. Thanks. Um, an adjective that that could describe an object. The bot. Wait, are we describing the buttons? Just any object. Peculiar. Yeah, I like that. Peculiar. Six adjectives to describe somebody's character. We can suggest some if we need to, though. Um. So to, to describe someone's character. Which one? I don't know. Just, just anyone. It's just, just like... Because oh. it will randomise it. And... I'm thinking patriotic. Yeah. Patriotic's <laughs> coming start. in the game. Um... Would you say Tori describes someone's <laughs> character? Well, it's going to. What political parties do you reckon John McLean would support? Oh, he's definitely a Republican. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I don't know about Bruce Willis because... How about Rich? Um, I think he's a oh. bit more... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's happening. And for our last one? Deceptive. Also very fair when it comes to Michael Cove. Allegedly. Allegedly, if okay. allegations are to be believed, and an occasion. On video. So the occasion is going to be a party in Downing Street's garden. <laughs> <laughs> wonder where you got that idea from. Hmm, I wonder. Allegedly. <laughs> Journalist's favorite word. I don't worry. It's been talked about on the parliamentary privilege. We're okay. Um, three verbs: e.g., running, rampaging, or loving. <laughs> okay, loving's going in here. <laughs> So what's our last verb? Um, something, somebody, vulnerable, uh, singular, e.g. an old lady, a baby bird, toddler, the country. <laughs> and now you might compare the main character to, e.g. angel, giant, saint, or satan. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. Something. He brings us what we want, a proper Brexit. <laughs> I didn't think that would be very funny. <laughs> Shall we just go with Brexit here? Yes. Yeah. Do you ever laugh so hard your stomach hurts? Yeah. All the time. And Jesus, this goes on for ages. Um, so story generous. This is um, this is gonna be a full length novel. This is gonna be sped up like. And now you might compare the other character to, e.g., brute, monster, card, god. <laughs> no. Um, Ogre is the one that got suggested. Legend. Legend, it is. And then a type of music, classical. Um, the protagonist's favourite drink e.g. sing like scotch. tea port beer scotch okay two objects <laughs> um. a torch sweet torch the bible <laughs> currency we're going to go for pounds and then really? I thought we'd go for Euro. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? We're going to go with Euro just for the sake of it, honestly. Um, and now to do with the weather, e.g. rain, snow, sun. What kind of there weather is no would weather. you get in a lift? <laughs> Make it stormy or something. 
Sweet. Stormy it is. Three animals. <laughs> <laughs> An elephant. A donkey. We're getting American political here. Uh, we need, like, a flying Pokemon. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really thinking... Well, we got an elephant and a donkey. I'm really thinking Squirtle here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then two body parts. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Hands. No, sorry. <laughs> Hands um, and feet to crawl. Hands and feet. Well, what about John McLean's bald head? <laughs> Do you know what bald head it is? Battering ram. <laughs> I have four adjectives to describe the physical characteristics. I'm just going to suggest all four of these because I can't be honest. It's really... Feathery, ruddy, fat, and dirty. I mean, dirty makes sense. And what's your pen name? Andrew. <laughs> Write me a short story. I swear to God, if I end up having to pay. There we go. Pitch the... How long is it? Uh... 50 pages. Not too bad. Um, Patriotic Michael Gove. A short story by Andrew. (laughs) Michael Gove was thinking about John McLean again. John was an apprehensive legend with dirty hands and a fat, bald head. (laughs) Should we turn off our mics while we laugh? No. It seems better this way. Um, Michael walked over to the window and reflected on his bland surroundings. He'd always hated claustrophobic BBC's lift. With its boiling, bumpy buttons. It was a place that encouraged his tendency to feel enraged. Then he saw something in the distance, or rather, someone. It was the apprehensive figure of John McLean. In the distance of the lift. (laughs) It's a massive lift, what can I say? It's where your TV license goes, everyone. (laughs) Humongous lift. Michael gulped. He glanced at his own reflection. He was a patriotic Tory, scotch drink with feathery hands and a ruddy bald head. His friend saw him as a boiling, bumpy Brexiteer. Fair. <laughs> Once he had even helped a fair country cross the road. <laughs> Not even a patriotic person who had once helped a fair country across the road was prepared for what John had in store today. This stormy teased like a loving elephant making Michael sad. <laughs> Michael grabbed a peculiar torch that had been strewn nearby. He massaged it with his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Uh, as Michael stepped outside, how do you step outside a lift? <laughs> so he's now in the shop. Yeah. I think we're falling to his death. I think so. <laughs> Maybe he's just clinging on. As Michael had stepped outside and John came closer, he could see the witty glint in his eye. I'm <laughs> scared. Witty glint? It gets worse because I can actually see this. Hi. I'm here because I want to see if Brexit, John bellowed in a rich tone. <laughs> he slammed his fist against Michael's chest with the force of 3,190 squirtle. <laughs> I frigging hate you, Michael Gove. <laughs> Michael looked back, even more sad, and still fingering the peculiar torch. <laughs> John, Brexit means Brexit, he replied. 
They looked at each other with traumatized feelings, like two decaying, disturbed donkey rioting at a very corrupt Downing Street garden party, which is fair. Which had classical music playing in the background and two deceptive uncles thinking to the beat. Suddenly, John lunged forward and tried to punch Michael in the face. Quickly, Michael grabbed the peculiar torch and brought it down on John's skull. Oh my god, Michael's going to kill John McLean. John's dirty hands trembled and his fat, bald head wobbled. He looked patriotic, his body raw like a tense, tiny the Bible. <laughs> he then let out an agonising groan and collapsed onto the ground. Moments later, John McLean was dead. <laughs> Michael Gove went back inside the lift and made himself a nice drink of scotch. The end. So um, he wasn't stuck in the lift? Apparently he wasn't stuck in the lift, he was just enjoying the lift. Yeah. Enjoying um, murdering John McLean? Love it actually here. Heartbreaking. That's um that's, that's Die Hard uh, six there, I think. Exactly. Um Die Hollywood, Hard. um, when you're ready. We're here. <laughs> We've got the script. Michael goes right. If you're li- Mike, if you're listening, Michael Gove, I hope you have a lovely day. <laughs> um, I don't, but yeah. <laughs> BBC, please employ me. And that brings this episode to an end. Next time, it's Valentine's Day. Send us your funniest Worst, worst date stories. I'm Simon. This is Callum. This is Hannah. And I'm Andre. Thank you for listening to the Underscore Podcast. Hope you have a good day.